This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Monday, 16th of January, 2023, and we have a very interesting uh, technical setup here across markets. If we look at the S&P 500, this 4,000 area, we closed one point below that on the cash index. We're up against a 61.8% retracement. You can see that on slide uh, two in today's slide deck, this sort of 4,030 area on the uh, actual March S&P future and just the general, uh, of course, 4,000 level, but not, not to mention, not to forget the 200-day moving average as well. Coming into view, there were a couple of stabs at taking that out back in uh, late last year that failed. So really uh, tilting towards uh, trying to make a statement here or not in, in coming days. And we have earnings season coming galloping, not so much this week, but especially next week with the big mega caps reporting. And those very mega caps also weighing down in relative terms, the uh, NASDAQ 100, which is in a bit of a different place, uh, technically some uh, perhaps 600 points or so below the uh, the key levels, the 200-day moving average, the major uh, pivot highs back there from late last year, et cetera. Uh, if we look across our baskets, you can see those on uh, slide two, the Saxo equity theme baskets. Uh, I don't have any takeaways for you today, and, and Peter is out this week hitting the slopes in Norway, the poor fellow. Uh, but we'll, of course, keep you updated for today. U.S. markets are closed, so we won't have a lot to talk about uh, for today or tomorrow. But, uh, of course, we'll be back online on Tuesday in the U.S. All right. The big event risk, though, this week is not the U.S. equity market or earnings. It is the Bank of Japan. Put up on slide three a Yurian uh, chart. Of course, the focus is on dollar yen, but it's just to make the point that it's really a yen story more than it is a dollar story here. So we've seen a lot of talk of, uh, yes, euro dollars hitting a new high. I think some of this is because uh, all this anticipation and, and hedging around this big Bank of Japan meeting this week, uh, the most the biggest flow goes through dollar yen, but that and that affects other dollar pairs. So we saw some minor new uh, lows in the dollar overnight. These are getting uh, retraced and, and pushed back against into this morning. Uh, and we see the yen weakening a little bit, but it really is about Wednesday. Will the Bank of Japan uh, make further adjustments here? Not a lot is, is priced in, but there, what is priced in is extreme uncertainty, as I'll show you in some following slides. Uh, but just to round out, the other key themes are the weaker dollar on the general easing up, uh, anticipation of easing up in Fed policy, some of the weak data of late. <clears throat> and we have the dollar, or sorry, U.S. 10-year uh, rates, for example, uh, close to those lows of the cycle, 3.4% on the 10-year. And then we have the sort of the China reopening trade, a lot of uh, upside we've seen in the Chinese renminbi and Australia sort of grabbing onto its coattails and a pretty big bump in gold. And uh, we'll get to you on gold and, and other uh, commodities in a moment, uh, Ole. But just want to point out uh, uh, further, just measures of this anticipation going into the Bank of Japan meeting on Wednesday. <clears throat> we have the implied volatility for the one week up at 23.3%. This is the highest except for the few panic days we saw back in uh, early 2020 with the pandemic outbreak. You can see this on slide four, by the way. But uh, perhaps one interesting thing here is, uh, and I find it quite interesting, is the lack of an extreme skew uh, in favor of put options. So we see on the right there, let's say 10 delta risk reversal. So what that is, is how much more it costs in terms of volatility handles to buy a very, very sort of a, a low delta put one week on dollar yen. You would expect that to be very rich if the market is expecting 
a huge move uh, by Indian crosses and Dalian specifically in the wake of Wednesday's meeting. And of course, those that is considered the more likely side of volatility, they are three and a half per, uh, handles more expensive, the puts relative to calls, but relative to where we've seen these modest spikes going into other Bank of Japan meetings and other event risks, it's pretty modest stuff. So you know, it suggests quite a lot of scrambling to position if you look at the implied volatility, broadly speaking, but not necessarily a massive skew in favor of those puts. I, I just find it very interesting and I, and I don't have a lot of visibility. I think the general drift is the Bank of Japan is, is moving in the direction of normalizing, but whether they actually deliver on Wednesday this week or uh, if they're afraid to do so and are putting it off for uh, post-corona, that is the key question. All right. Uh, as I alluded to uh, before we started this call, Ola, the um, the FX positioning is, is perhaps interesting as well coming into, into this uh, meeting. And we saw a, a pretty large and persistent yen short for obvious reasons back last year when, when Dalian just continued to fly to new levels. How much has that unwound? And was there any notable adjustment in that uh, weekly futures uh, positioning report out of the U.S. Uh, where we were as of last Tuesday, at least? That's when the report uh, is uh, concerning. There was indeed, John. Uh, during that week, we saw the yen short being reduced by another 25%. In terms of uh, lot size, uh, lot numbers, it's uh, 35,000 lots. Just for uh, put into perspective, the uh, we hit a peak short at 112,000 lots uh, some months back. So uh, so that's obviously been reduced quite sharply during that time. It the the position equivalence uh, is is still it's the equivalent to 3.4 billion dollars. So it's still the second biggest short after the dollar. Uh, but generally, last week the movements were pretty mixed. So there wasn't any major change on the overall uh, dollar move uh, or the dollar position. So um, so. Lots of individual movements taking place there, but uh, with the yen having strengthened by another three percent since uh, last Tuesday, we can obviously expect that uh, shorts have been uh, been cut even further. Yeah, I imagine there's a whole lot of position squaring <laughs> coming into uh, Wednesday's meeting with that uncertainty, as well as uh, speculative punts being put on in the options market in terms of what may happen in the wake. All right, you also have some other positioning data for uh, across the commodity market there on uh, slide five. Yeah, just to give an idea about how hedge funds are reacting or responding to uh, to hit the early parts of the year. And uh, what we saw last week, uh, that was the first full trading week of the year, again up until last Tuesday, was uh, quite a significant a reduction in the exposure across the agricultural sector. I put in the uh, highlight in the blue blue area there um, on slide five. So we can see those basically selling across all the the, the agricultural commodities, with uh, just a few exceptions. The biggest uh, the, com the commodities taking the biggest hit was uh, corn, was a twenty five percent reduction, and also sugar, which was reduced by twenty seven percent. Corn is interesting, obviously, because just uh, two days later we had the Wall Street report, which actually painted quite a bullish uh, picture for corn. So, uh, so some of the some of the the, the move higher we saw in co in corn uh, Thursday and Friday likely to have driven by by funds just basically getting wrong footed by that uh, quite bullish report, but but quite a significant reduction in in the in X, and then again just the just the theme carried into last week as we saw at the start of the year. The only two markets really in demand right now is gold and copper. That's really where the 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 focus is concentrated. You can see that on slide six, the next one. Where we see the uh, the weekly changes, and uh, while gold has been an ongoing story now since uh, early November with weekly gains or weekly builds in the net long, uh, we've seen we're only now just seeing copper starting to get into action. So so some of the spike we saw in in copper 
last week, most likely driven by speculators just basically being caught off-site uh, or basically not being caught with the position that they wanted to have. And uh, that has been uh, fueling the, the, the search. And that obviously does also raise the question, when are we going to see this... Uh, this market stabilize or just consolidate. Um, so far, we're not seeing any sign of it. And again, it can, given that uh, China has been a major driver, China is now going away on holiday, and the dollar weakness has also been a major, major driver. And so with, with that in mind, again, Wednesday's, uh, Wednesday's potential impact on the dollar and the, uh, the commodities should, should not be ignored, that's for sure. Right. And then you were following up on the gas story. We continue to see these very, very high storage levels. We do have some incoming uh, weather, uh, cold weather here for Europe, but it doesn't look like it's impacting the, the price uh, just now. No, and, and this is just a phenomenal change. And we're now seeing the data from Europe uh, increasingly starting to look more favorable. We're seeing inflation coming down. We're seeing growth indicators uh, starting to uh, to reverse somewhat. Uh, the risk of a recession seems to be uh, seems to have been uh, averted. Uh, and, and that's really all about the cost of energy. And, and it is a phenomenal uh, slump we've seen. We continue today uh, dropping further. And uh, we just need to look at the gas storage uh, situation to understand why we are now we got gas levels at 82% of full full capacity. Normally, this time of year, we're down to 63%. We were even a lot lower this time last year. So uh, we're well uh, prepared for any any co incoming cold snap. So uh, even though it is is going to go turn cold over the next couple of weeks, is the impact uh, on gas prices probably going to be limited? All right. Well, look forward to that. And uh, if you look at the earnings uh, report, we saw the, the some of the big banks reporting on. Sorry, the earnings overview on slide eight. We saw some of the big banks reporting on Friday. Uh, there wasn't uh, there, there wasn't commonality across the board, but the general picture was that uh, levels remain fairly strong for now. But there is some forward concern, and they're starting to have uh, bigger loan loss reserves that are eating into some of the profit outlook. So, although you have the uh, the sort of the tidal shift in their favor of higher interest rates, it's going to help out. On the bottom line, of course, if it's a worse than expected recession and loan losses are far greater than uh, they're anticipating, that's going to impact uh, banks there. But if you look at the overview there on slide eight, some interesting names coming in. Now, of course, we have the big investment banks, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. I imagine they've been uh, impacted on the negative side on the, the, the slowdown in the sort of investment banking activity, mergers and acquisitions. But interesting to hear what they say, of course. But later in the week, uh, a big name uh, that's interesting uh, is one like Netflix, and I've put up a chart there. They've really come not full circle. I mean, they have rallied more than 100%, think of that, uh, from their 2022 lows, but they're still down more than 50% from that crazy high in late 2021. They have managed to right the ship to a degree, uh, but what is their outlook, both in terms of subscribers and in terms of their uh, advertising revenue anticipation as they look to, to add re uh, advertising into their uh, streaming mix? As well, names like Procter and Gamble. This is a, you know just a good basic consumption company. What are consumers feeling, and what are they noticing in terms of their shift? What is their outlook? Uh, really key stuff. But uh, we'll take you through those one day at a time. Uh, looking at the macro calendar, um, of course, holiday today in the U.S. We do have a couple of speakers out today, uh, or at least one speaker: Bank of uh, England Governor Bailey testifying on financial stability. Uh, there's some question marks around the next Bank of England me uh, meeting and whether they will uh, hike by 25 basis points or 50 basis points. The market's position is right in between that. Uh, but the big one is the Wednesday Bank of Japan meeting. Cover it more in tomorrow's podcast. Uh, but otherwise, a fairly light week. Uh, 
you know, the leading edge of the U.S. housing data in the NAHB housing survey on Wednesday, Norwegian Central Bank on Thursday. And, and Brainerd speaking, this is the uh, the chief dove, if you will, uh, among Fed speakers. And of course, as the vice chair, she is a voter as well. All right, we're going to keep it short today uh, as we're on a U.S. market holiday, but uh, it's going to be an interesting week ahead. And again, I think the big, uh, the big setup here is earnings season coming galloping uh, next week with U.S. equities poised at these really key levels and then all in the mix uh, or all at a time when we have a potentially enormously uh, impactful Bank of Japan, Japan meeting on Wednesday. That's a wrap for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. 